0: It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns.
1: Do what? You play the same riff over and over again.
0: It's muscle memory. When you start playing, you warm up the muscles by doing riffs that make you feel good.
1: Well, why can't you punch out one like uh, Sweet Child of Mine, huh?
0: Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. Who are you? Well,
1: I am Tammy Burns. Okay.
0: Hey, a I, I, quick question here. Is it now FCC law, governmental federal law, that we must mention Donald Trump inside of every broadcast, radio, television, internet at least once. I hope so. You, you, oh, really? Are well, you a yeah. tr- are you a Trump supporter?
1: I uh, maybe. I don't oh, know.
0: Oh no! Do I have to start wearing a silly red hat that says "Make America Great Again"? No,
1: but I would like it if you tanned and then did that comb over oh, thing. Oh
0: yeah, I'm turned
1: on by that.
0: What I've noticed about his tan is that he has raccoon eyes because apparently he doesn't wear the little tiny glasses uh-huh. that just cover the eyelids. He wears apparently a pair of Ray Ban so he has the very large untanned circles around the eyes do
1: you think that is from a tanning bed or does he get sprayed every day
0: no 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 that's from a tanning bed if you got no if you got sprayed you just close your eyes
1: oh my gosh no no
0: no, that's from a tanning bed he's i guarantee you he has a gold-plated tanning bed and it's the best one you could buy better be it's the best one it's always the best you're one. Trump,
1: Your Trump
0: is not good. It's not me doing Trump. It's me doing Jimmy, um, Jimmy Fallon doing Trump. That's even worse. Thank you very much. Now, last week we had a very cerebral show. Mm-hmm. So this week, let's just do a knockoff. Let's oh. just do something that's fun. Let's Thank have some you. good guitar riffs. Everybody likes guitar riffs, and ever since Beavis and Butthead, every guitar riff has turned into simply the vocal uh, pronunciation of duh. Have you noticed that?
1: No. Haven't you
0: noticed no. that? Really, smoke on the water is dun 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 uh, dun. yeah yeah yeah. You know, pick a guitar riff and it can be reproduced by duh I got it.
1: Right? I if got it. Right. If you do
0: walk this way, dun 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 duh da, 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 If da will produce any guitar riff ever created. So what I have here, I found this just by sort of trolling around the internet, and I ran across gibson.com, which is one of my favorite favorite websites they have this fantastic forum set up there Mm -hmm. and they had on there something like 10 great riffs that were done by gibson guitars yeah and i grabbed one or two of those and then i began searching around for any other stories about how guitar riffs were created yeah and they're everywhere really so i found i it's it's gotta be 35 different riffs And I have their stories, and I thought we would play a few of them.
1: You're going to do 35 in one show? I don't
0: know. It depends on how many I can get to. I won't play them all, but I can tell you the stories. Let's start with the mighty Van Halen. Eruption. Mm -hmm. Eruption was never supposed to be on Van Halen 1. Eruption was always something they did sort of to show off Eddie's skills live. And he was using it. He often used it as a finger warm-up sort of just to get himself ready to record. You know, a band is ready to play. Oh, let's just play one we all know. And they go through it. So he was doing it as a finger warm-up. And while he was doing it, Ted Templeman, who was their producer, said, that's great. Why don't you do that? So he played three versions of it. And they went with the very first one. So if you want to be really picky, it was a one take. And Eddie Van Halen is upset because there's a mistake, according to him, there's a mistake inside of Eruption. How about that? Wow. But the one we'll play, Ain't Talking About Love, he, Eddie Van Halen, didn't want to bring it to the band because it only contains two chords. Uh Uh-huh. If you remember the song, dun, 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 once again, dun, 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 that's it. It's the entire song. It's A minor to G. And he wrote it sort of as a joke. According to him, it was supposed to be a punk rock parody. Originally it was right. that played like a sound punk, punk rock part. song. Yeah, right. That, yeah. They slowed it down. Uh-huh. Played the sort of arpeggio the A minor, which is what you hear right at the beginning of the song, and it turned into one of their big hits off of Van Halen 1 HEY, and is still to this day played on FM rock radio.
1: Go Eddie.
0: How about that? That's where the riff came from. We'll tell you about a bunch more of them, but first, the mighty Van Halen here on Rock School. There's Van Halen here on Rock School. Ain't talking about love. Let me tell you about another one. I even mentioned it, Walk This Way. Mm -hmm. Joe Perry said he came up with it at a sound check in Hawaii. He was listening to a lot of a New Orleans band called The Meters, and I know you and I have actually seen The Meters play. We went to one of these outdoor festivals, and The Meters came out and played. They're like a funk band if you've never been to New Orleans. They haven't had a tremendous amount of success outside of the state, but... If you get a chance to come to New Orleans and see the meters play, it's, I mean, it's a religious experience, and he decided to try and, you know, recreate something like the meters played, and it turned into the opening riff to Walk This Way.
1: Go figure, huh?
0: There you are. Uh, wild Thing by the Trogs, Chip Taylor said to Gibson.com in 2007, he said it was an overt expression of sexuality. <laughs> in fact, he said he was a little <gasps> embarrassed for people to hear it. What is it? Three chords? Uh-huh. Okay, man. If that was in your head, that's fine. Great. Smoke on the water. Since yes. we Again, since we mentioned smoke on the water, let's talk about it. Richie Blackmore said he was trying to get an edge for Deep Purple, mm-hmm. and he wanted something very strong. Now, this may not make sense to somebody who's not a mu- musician, but "Smoke on the Water" is played in fourths. The two the two notes that are played, the first uh, two notes, and in, in fact, each succession of notes, bom bom bom, or da 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 the notes are all a fourth apart, okay, and a fourth. Is the most, I've read this somewhere, maybe I'm wrong, but I've read this somewhere. A fourth is the most psychologically satisfying interval of notes. In fact, a lot of rock songs, their first chordal movement is a fourth. Okay. It's psychologically satisfying.
1: It does feel good.
0: So when you play those two notes together, mm-hmm. they, they feel nice, especially when the guitar has distortion on it distortion is overtly amplifying all of the harmonics on top of the primary note. So when you play that fourth, the two notes together, mm-hmm. the harmonics that all ring on top of them ring in somewhat harmony.
1: Gotcha. It sounds yes, good. It does, yeah.
0: So he did this playing fourths all along. Did he bum, know that bum, when he was bum. doing it? Probably. Richie Blackmore is a, a smart guy. pretty smart guy. He said the thing is when you watch people play it, he says people always play it wrong. People play it with a pick. Uh, the bands I've been in, we I played it with a pick, and he said that's not the way it's done. You use your thumb and your first finger down by the pickups to pluck it. Get out. Don't use a pick. Pluck the individual strings with two fingers. Don't use a pick striking them because you want the two strings to ring together
1: my marching band in high school played this did they All really the yes
0: wow we had a
1: rocker oh yes the the band director was a rocking kind of dude
0: you are cooler than i was we played john philip souza <laughs> boring here you go deep purple smoke on the water on rock school talk about some other guitar riffs. Jack Bruce. Do you know who Jack Bruce is?
1: Mm, no, I don't.
0: Bassist for Cream. Okay. He is the guy that came up with Sunshine of Your Love. Mm. Now, you would think Eric Clapton did it because it's a guitar riff. Yeah. But no, he apparently came up with it on a double bass. I assume that means a bull fiddle. The stand-up the bass. Right, mm-hmm. The Right. Uh, the fretless stand-up bass. But he came up with it, showed it to Eric Clapton, and according to him, Clapton came up with the turnaround part and Success. Wow. We have sunshine of your love. Sweet Child of Mine, that's one of your favorites. Yes. You got it. It was a finger exercise to begin with.
1: Really? Right.
0: This is the reason you should never marry or date a guitarist. The vast majority of their life is scales, finger exercises, Mm -hmm. nothing that's really fun to listen to, but in order to do it, you have to do this homework, You have to get the fingers to work individually of one another, independently of one another, and it's it's nothing that's really fun to listen to. But you have to learn to do this. I'm sure it's the same with piano and
1: trombone and all that. I don't recommend. I don't recommend anyone dating a guy who plays a guitar. (laughs) Uh, I certainly wouldn't marry one. So I know
0: I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either, even though I can now do it. Sure.
1: Do what? You play the same riff over and over again.
0: It's muscle memory. When you start playing, you warm up the muscles by doing riffs that make you feel good.
1: Well, why can't you punch out one like a sweet child of mine, huh?
0: Because I'm way past that. You come up with great stuff in your twenties. Oh, look at the Beatles. Come
1: on. Look at
0: look at the look at cream. Look at the kinks. Look at the kinks. Dave Davies told The Guardian in 2013 where he came up with You Really Got Me. Okay, mm-hmm. He and his brother Ray were messing around with a song, Jimmy Guffrey, The Train in the River. It's a song they both like. By the way, you want to hear it? Jimmy Guffrey, spell Guffrey, G-I-U-F-F-R-E. G-I-U-F-F-R-E. I've already looked at it. It's on YouTube. You'll have no trouble finding it. The Train in the River. It had this thing that went ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba you'll hear it you can't miss it okay now they tacked on a few things with it so obviously they didn't just steal it Mm -hmm. straight out they altered it there's only you know what eight notes in a scale 12 if you add the chromatics okay so
1: only so much you can do with it
0: right there's only so much you can do with it and of course then you have on top of it the performance aspect of it but they were messing around with it and success that's where it came from you really got me was it played by the kinks Was it played by Jimmy Page? I know who I think it is, but I'm not going to tell you. Here on Rock School. Okay, coming into the first break here on Rock School, here's a few more for you. Led Zeppelin, Whole lot of Love. Jimmy Page says that he came up with a guitar line for, by the way, their only top ten hit. Hmm. How about that? Only top ten hit. And as far as I know, how many Grammys has Justin Bieber won? Oh,
1: man, I don't know. A
0: gajillion. I don't think Led Zeppelin has ever won a Grammy. I'm almost positive of that. Now, here's the thing. Grammys aren't for a while, but there's that meme, I think, that goes around on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Here's why the Grammys are a bothersome. Yeah. All these people, including Bob Marley, have never won a Grammy. Right. And then it shows all the people that have. You yes. know, who let the dogs out won a Grammy? Get out. I'm not kidding you. That might not be a bad show.
1: Ooh, here I like the, it.
0: Here are the people that have won a Grammy. Oh. Here are the people that haven't won a Grammy.
1: Yes. Wouldn't that be fun? I, I smell a Grammy.
0: That's not a bad show there. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. says here he wrote the riff on a houseboat in the Thames in the summer of 1968. See, that's the reason I haven't had any hits. I've never been on a houseboat in the Thames yeah, in 1968. Yeah, life could be worse, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. says here, quote, I wanted a riff that really moved, that people would really get, and it would bring a smile to their faces. Ditto. There you go. Black Sabbath's Paranoid, according to the people inside of Black Sabbath, uh, Geezer Butler specifically, the song Paranoid was written as an afterthought. We needed a three-minute filler song to get on the album, and Tony, Tony Iommi, it says here, came up with the riff. I quickly came up with the lyrics, and Ozzy was reading them as he was singing. How about that? (laughs) Not bad. The same thing happened with Def Leppard's uh, pour some sugar on me. Mm-hmm. Look up the story about that one. That was from what album?
1: Oh, that was Hysteria.
0: Hysteria. I know you're a big Def Leppard fan. I knew you would know that. Uh, apparently, Joe Elliott was sitting over in a corner and sort of playing that, the, the mm-hmm. opening guitar mm-hmm. riff, something he was just messing around on. Because the story goes that he came to uh, be one of the guitarists in Def Leppard. That was what he auditioned for. Right. And when he sang a few lines they the other members kinda of looked at each other and went, hey we could use a singer too. Yeah, and he there became you go. the singer of the of the band. But uh, Mutt Lang looked at him and said, What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? And it became Pour Some Sugar On Me, which is, if I'm not mistaken, their biggest hit of all time. And it just, like the Iron Man song, just came out of absolutely nowhere. Was it Iron Man? Did I get that right? Look at my notes again here. No, Paranoid. My apologies. Paranoid. So, Welcome uh, and thanks for running the radio show, KFOK Sacramento, California.
1: And W-O-U-B in Athens, Ohio. You bet.
0: By all means, get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show. And I don't push the website enough. I want to start pushing the website more. Push it more. now. Yep. Push it. Search KSLU.org. You can't miss the little uh, Rock School thing there on the homepage. What is Click that on thing? It. it just looks like a chalkboard. Click on it, and there you'll see our smiling faces. Well, I'm smiling. She's scowling at me. Always. Back in a minute on Rock School. <laughs> Uh, Coming out of the break, I'd just like to point out that I do not have a clean version of this next song. I've got to use my own version of the song. It's
1: that dirty? Yes, it
0: is. In fact, it says the F word, the word that starts with F and ends with K, and it's not fire truck. Uh, It says it numerous times, and I'm going to have to go in and edit it out myself.
1: Replace it with the word duh.
0: No, I don't. I can't do that. However, I could do it with the word Forget. It's always fun to watch sort of an ABC after-school movie mm-hmm. where they go in there and they re- they find somebody that sounds like the actor. Forget you. <laughs> go forget yourself. Yeah, that's the way New York City cops talk. Okay, let's do this forgetting show. All right. All right. Rolling Stones, I can't get no... Satisfaction. That riff... I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people actually know this already. Mm -hmm. He was in a Clearwater hotel room, Clearwater, Florida, supposedly. So it says. Now, some people say it's in this hotel room or that hotel room. According to this, Clearwater hotel room woke up, had this riff running through his head, had a little tiny recording machine of some kind, cassette, mumbled it into the cassette, Mm -hmm. and then fell asleep. So there is somewhere in the world, probably still in Keith Richards' possession, mm-hmm. a cassette of him singing the riff to satisfaction, and then another 40 minutes of him snoring. Cause he fell asleep. Yeah, <laughs> and by the way, Keith Richards' new album, yes, has already hit Spotify. Yeah, and is available on some sites for download. Later today, I'm going to download it. Ooh, yes, ma'am, I am. Okay, here's the one we're going to play: "Rage Against the Machine." Mm-hmm. Killing in the name of boom. Tom Morello made his living, as all great guitarists do, sometime as I did for a while, teaching guitar. Yes, a student. And he were messing around in drop-D tuning. This is uh-huh. where you just take the E string on the guitar and you tune it down one full step. So instead of an E being the lowest chord you play on the guitar, it's now a D. Okay. okay. You sort of mute the A a little bit when you play it. According to him, when I came up with the killing in the name of riff, as he told Rolling Stone, I stopped the lesson, got my little Radio Shack cassette recorder, laid down the little snippet, looked at the student and went, okay, let's keep going.
1: Oh yeah so
0: he stopped the lesson I don't think the kid asked for a uh, for a refund because he was there when history was made Wow let the editing begin killing in the,
1: <laughs> killing
0: in the name of rock school. <laughs> The bottom of the hour, plus a little bit here on Rock School. Did you like how I faded it out just a little bit there at the end so I didn't have to do as much of the editing? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know I missed a little bit of the end of the song, but come on. I would have had to have edited the F word, I think, 38 times. Wow. Stop yelling at me. We're going to finish up uh, this break with one from The White Stripes, so we'll talk about that in just a minute, but first, these are the Rock and Roll dates, September 20. All the way through September 27th. My name is Joe Burns. You are. I'm
1: Tammy Burns. Let's do
0: seven days in 70 seconds. I believe you have Monday, Tammy Burns. Go ahead.
1: September 21st, 1974. Canada's Bachman turning an overdrive release. You ain't seen nothing yet.
0: September 22, 1982. The Who kick off what they say is their farewell tour, a 40-day trip that will gross $23 million then they go back on tour in 1995. <laughs> September
1: 23rd, 1957, Buddy Holly and the Crickets scored their only U.S. number one hit with their Billboard chart maker. That'll be the day. September
0: 24th, 1966. By the way, September 24th, anything about that epochal no. date? Nothing? No. Nothing? We'll be married 27 years. Nothing?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: You try to block it out? The Association had their first number one single with Cherishes the Word. The song had been released in August within two months and would be a million seller. See, I chose that one specifically because I know you're a huge Association fan. Yeah, but
1: that song really makes me want to barf. September 25th, 1964, Beatles manager Brian Epstein turns down a three and a half million pound offer from a group of U.S. businessmen. Who wanted to buy out his Beatles management contract. And
0: you know what's funny about that? That uh-huh. was a good. That was a smart move.
1: Yeah, believe three, me. Three yes. and a half
0: million pounds. I know. And that was a smart move to turn it down. September 26, 1960, Connie Francis becomes the first female singer in the rock and roll era to have two consecutive number one singles when My Heart Has a Mind of Its Own went to the top of the Billboard chart, followed by everybody's somebody's fool and then finally September 27 1986 Cliff Burton bass guitarist for Metallica is killed when the band's tour bus skidded and flipped over in rural southern Sweden Mm. he was in a specific bunk
1: uh,
0: that he had won earlier in the day because of a poker game it was a sort of a prized place to sleep
1: yeah not so lucky
0: Right. he had won it earlier in the day in a poker game The White Stripes, Mm -hmm. Seven Nation Army. It was during a sound check at Melbourne's Corner Hotel that Jack White wrote what is, I believe, his biggest hit to date. A guy that was touring with him named Ben Swank was walking by. He played it for Meg and Ben, and he looked at him and he said, hey, Swank, what did you think of that? And Ben looks at him and goes, yeah, it, it, it's okay. Oh, no. Way to go, Ben. You missed it all together. Oh. Seven Nation Army here on Rock School. Out of the White Stripes, uh, Seven Nation Army here on Rock School. Let's talk about grunge no, here. No, you're not. What?
1: No, not yet. Why do you
0: spring these things on me? Because what do you want?
1: You just told me during the break or when we were breathing there that I yeah. had screwed up. Did you want it did I want to do it over because I screwed up? No, I don't want to do anything over. Why not? My screw up is for the world's enjoyment, okay?
0: Oh, because it sounds because it sounds real. Yes, the is faster that what you, you saying? get
1: that and understand it. Okay. The more that we can, you know, get along.
0: Okay. And I want it's to fine. get along. Cuz you cuz you think the screw ups make it all sound real well, and real. natural and things like that. Yes. Okay. You know we stop when I screw up. absolutely. That's why I sound perfect all the time. <clears throat> Mm. Let's do a couple that are grunge What do you say? Nirvana smells like teen spirit According to Kurt Cobain He said I was trying to write the ultimate pop song That's the thing, grunge I, I know grunge is sort of a mixture Between pop and punk and uh, some speed metal, things like that, but in reality Nirvana was a pop band.
1: Yeah, I I can't even imagine the word pop coming out of his mouth.
0: But that's they were a pop band.
1: Yeah, I, well, I kind of get it, but yeah. I don't think he wanted anything to do with the world of pop.
0: I don't, I'm not sure you're right about that. Really? Like Kiss, Kiss is a pop band. Well, that's Kiss, all they are. they admit it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, Kurt Cobain said uh, of their most recognized riff here, Smells Like Teen Spirit, he says, I was trying to rip off the Pixies. The concept of very loud, very soft, very loud, very soft, very uh-huh. loud. Speaking of the Pixies, how about their rift, Where Is My Mind? According to the people in the Pixies, a noodle dish of faux might help. It says here... That the Pixies were all trying to get some dinner, and Joey Santiago tells NME, says, I picked up some uh, Vietnamese food, and I had something in my head, and I called the other members of the band and said, hey, I've got Vietnamese food and this riff in my <laughs> head. Come over, I'll play it for you, and I'll feed you. Oh,
1: How funny. about that? I like well,
0: it. Sounds pretty good. And the one we're going to play, Foo Fighters Everlong. Uh-uh. Okay. According to Dave Grohl, he said, quote, I had this riff that I had been playing for a long time, but I was afraid to do anything with it because I thought I had ripped it off from Sonic Youth. Right. He thought I had just flat out stolen it, but decided it would turn it into a good song. When I brought it to the producer, Gil Norton, he said, hey, that's great. I don't recognize it as any other song. Let's put it on the album. Turned into a neat song, and it came in to be maybe one of the most recognizable riffs by the band. I do that.
1: You do it all the time. I do you, it a you, lot. You've got an album coming out, and you you've got two songs on there that sound like
0: you ripped off someone. We'll announce. We'll announce listen, later on. Listen to me when now. the album comes out.
1: Let's talk about ripoffs, dude. Yeah. How can you not? kind of sound like a band that you like a lot or somebody that you listen to all the time you
0: can't you can't because they
1: influence you sure
0: there's many times when you're listening to a band you go geez they liked Led Zeppelin on that one right they liked Van Halen on that one they liked so and so it's all been
1: been written yeah I've
0: I've played a few of my songs for some other people and they've said to me hmm you liked Van Halen on that one I it's what I grew up with it's how I play There you go. So that kind of stuff happens. Hey, Foo Fighters, Rock School. All right, coming into the second break here on Rock School, you're familiar with the song Inhaler by Foles? If you're not, oh, aren't you I don't really?
1: I, no, I, oh, I, I don't know you, that song. You would Do love it. Do I know it. it?
0: I don't know if you you would know it off the top of your head. I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's not music that's sort of in your 1980s yeah. thought process, but it's really good. Uh, if you know the song, you know it starts off with a really neato mosquito guitar riff. Inhaler's riff started off as this monster jam that the band used to play in concert. Uh, Guitarist Jimmy Smith said, we used to do this extended jam at the end of their concert. It just kind of went on forever. And we said, you know what? That jam's pretty good. Uh We should turn it into a, you know, into a song. And that's where Inhaler came from. Wow. And it's the song that a lot of people know them for. Well,
1: I'm going to go listen to it. Yeah,
0: I'm going to make a point of playing that for you, because you'll dig it. KSKQ, Ashland, Oregon. Thanks for running the radio show.
1: WYAP in Clay, West Virginia.
0: All right, back with our last break here in a minute on Rock School. Okay, last break here on Rock School. I know it's a little bit early, but the song we're going to play to wrap it all up is about eight minutes long, Mm -hmm. so we need to talk a little bit. I have so many more to talk about, but I don't have enough to complete a second show. So allow me to just begin a list here to wrap it up. Spill it out. The Smiths' Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Johnny Marr wrote the Smiths' classic after Sire Records boss Seymour Stein bought him a guitar in New York City. Okay? Sort of a, hey, you're doing great. Here's a new guitar, Mm -hmm. kid. Says he went straight back to the hotel, took it out of its case, and the very first thing that came out of his fingers was this. Wow. Says he has no idea where it came from has no idea, you know it's nothing he thought of. it's just the you know the muscle memory took over and bang there it is. he knew he had to turn it into a song.
1: Mm-hmm. magic.
0: Yep, magic. The Beatles here comes the Sun. George Harrison says he wrote this in Eric Clapton's garden mm-hmm. after being in a string of really boring business meetings. He says it was sunny and it was just a release of tension that had been building up inside of me. picked up a guitar and bingo, out it came. Isn't that nice? That's, it is nice. You wish that kind of stuff would happen. You wish you could just have art fall out of you. Uh-huh. And in that case, it did. Michael Jackson's Beat It. And I guess, I I know, Michael Jackson, ha, ha, ha. That's a great guitar riff.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: It really is. Producer Quincy Jones asked Michael Jackson to come up with some kind of a song along the lines of the knax My Sharona. Mm-hmm. Which was a big hit at the time. Listen to it. It's an octave. Yeah,
1: you're right.
0: Sounds the same way, doesn't it? No, he didn't rip it off, but what he did was he wrote something that had that same octave run and octave run back down. Smart guy. Oh, he's clever. He really was. Uh says here, just Michael Jackson clearly delivered on Jones's request. Do you know where the concept of saying beat it came from? No, I don't. He was a huge fan of West Side Story. And if you watch the opening mm-hmm. what would you call it? The opening song. Yes. The I'm sure there's a name for it and it's 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 just skipping my brain at the moment. When they introduce the sharks and the jets. Yeah. When they go against people who are not in the Not in the uh, gangs. Mm -hmm. They yell at them. Beat Beat it." it. Yeah, that's where he got that. Nice. Birthday by the Beatles. One night, according to Paul McCartney, he and some friends were watching the 1956 musical comedy, The Girl Can't Help It. And they just dug all of that chunka 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 sort of <laughs> guitar overt, you know, chunka 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 type playing Blue and loose strings
1: went, kind of thing. Yeah,
0: let's write a 1950s rock tune. Cute. And listen to the lyrics; they're just silly. They say it's your birthday, it's my birthday too. Yeah, happy birthday to you. I mean, come on.
1: Funny. Yeah. It ain't
0: art. And the one we're gonna finish on. Layla by the Dominoes. Mm -hmm. Where in the world did Eric Clapton, or we don't know for a fact that it was written solely by Eric Clapton. It could have been written in a huge session by Derek and the Dominoes. All those great players were in there. Where did it come from? Listen to Albert King's As the Years Go Passing By. Take the riff. That Albert King plays and speed it up by twice get out and you will get Layla
1: no way uh, what's no funny way. what's
0: funny is it's not exactly the riff it's not because when I I thought I read that I went you got to be kidding me so I went and I looked at it. Once again, Albert King, as the years go by, give it a listen and you'll see exactly what he means. That's where it came from. And that's when we'll finish on. Uh, so there he goes from guitar riffs and where they came from. There are so many more and so many more stories, but that's all I have. So that's it. Isn't that enough? No. That's a lot. No. If you're a guitarist, you want to know every one of them. I'm Joe Burns. You are?
1: I am the uh, learning uh, Tammy Burns. The one in school. That's right. School me.
0: That'll do it. Class is dismissed.